Good morning. We're going to go ahead and continue on going through the book of Exodus. And uh, there's still this kind of common theme. And if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that probably one of the most common things that we're seeing is that the Israelites are grumbling because they're not trusting God. So this message today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18, still goes along with that a little bit. So today we're going to talk about... Um, Leaders, and so Moses was a great leader in Bible history, and we could think of other um, leaders. But that's what we're going to look at today: is um, Moses and how God helped Moses be a better leader. Um, there are lots of different types of leaders and things out there. Does anybody have someone that they that they would like to share that they think was a great leader? Anybody? Hopefully, you've all known some great leaders. Pastor Kent, that will be a good one. He was a great leader here, still will be a good leader for someone. One person I always think of is Abraham Lincoln. Um, if you think of the situation that he had to deal with as the President of the United States, where he managed to lead our country through a civil war, um, he was a Christian, he was a godly man. If you look at his life and the way God prepared him, and all the many things that he went through that prepared him for being president of the United States and all of the different things that he had to do because a lot of people think about, you know, it was, it, it was about slavery and about freedom. It was also about our Constitution. You know, in today's politics, there's a lot of talk about the Constitution. The Civil War and many of those things, you know, the reason that Abraham Lincoln did a lot of the things he did was he felt that, that the southern states were violating the Constitution when they tried to secede and those kind of things. And so if you look at how he led, but he didn't do everything, right? He had a cabinet. He chose, sometimes not very well, chose um, generals to lead the different armies and do those kind of things. But if you look at, and there's a, um, and I can't remember the exact words, but on the, the Lincoln Memorial, there's a quote, and it was, um, it was in a speech he gave after he was reelected, after the Civil War was over, and it was about how he wanted to bring the South back in. So once the, the, the southern states, the Confederacy, surrendered, he wanted to bring those states back in. And, and he referenced God in it. And pretty much he was saying, let's forget all of the strife. You know, the war is over. Let's bring the southern states back in. And, and the plans he had were very generous in, in what he was setting up. But as we all know, he was assassinated before a lot of that came to fruition. So those are just some things that, um, you know, when we think about leaders and leadership, that, that we as God's people are, are also leaders. Okay, especially men, you're leaders of your family. Um, women have many leadership-type roles within your family and, and the different types of things that we do. But we're going to talk about um, some of this through Exodus today. So we know Moses has been the leader of the people. And um, like I said, he's one of the most well-known Jewish leaders because... God chose him and prepared him to come back and to confront Pharaoh and ask Pharaoh to let the people go and to work through God's plan with the plagues and then to lead the people out of Egypt to go through the Red Sea and now he's leading them out in the wilderness. And as Moses was doing this, it was kind of a one-man show, right? Because did God speak really to anyone else? No, God was speaking directly to Moses and so 
Moses was that direct interface with God, and he was relaying that information and the direction and everything that God wanted the people to do to the people. And so part of his, his role, and, and those of you who are parents will know that, um, and we, we talked about grumbling, many times what leaders have to do is settle disputes, right? Because, you know, they, your kids are fighting, what do they do? They go find mom, and sometimes mom doesn't give them the answer they want, so they go find dad, right? Well, you know, so... Moses is essentially working in this role because he knows and is communicating with God. He understands God's word very, very well. And so whenever there are disputes, the people came to Moses. So he was acting like a judge, but he was the only judge, okay? So anytime there was a problem, so you can imagine what Moses' day was like, right? He'd get up and from, from morning till night, he had people coming up to him. Um, and Fritz brought this out um, last week after the lesson. I, I do want to mention this, that in Numbers, if you happen to look there, it's, at the, it's, it's Numbers 1, verse 46, and you don't have to turn there. But it's talking about the number of people that we're talking about that are out traveling in the wilderness. And, and, and verse 46 in number, chapter 1 of Numbers says, even all the numbered men were 603,550. Okay? So that's the numbered men. So that's from a certain age, basically, when they considered them to be men, which would maybe be, you know, 18, 20, up to, you know, not all of the elderly men. But that's just the men. So if we have about, if we have 603,550 men, if they're all married, you double that. And then if they have kids, and then they had slaves and servants, right? So we're talking about well over a million people who are out moving around in the desert. And so Moses... You know, you might think it's, I, some, I thought it was about, I had two kids, you know, if you're trying to, you know, keep things straight between two, Moses is having to settle disputes for over a million people, right? Or at least 600,000 men who are coming, and it's not everyone coming every day, but he's the one who's trying to take care of all this. And so, um, God helps Moses out with this. Now, through this Exodus period, at some point, Moses sent his wife Zipporah and their two sons to be with his father-in-law Jethro in Midian. And you remember when Joseph first had to leave Egypt as a young man because he killed an Egyptian, um, and he fled. He fled to Midian. Jethro's family took him in. He ended up marrying Jethro's daughter Zipporah. And then, you know, when he had been out after a number of years, God called him back. And so, some point during this, Jethro hears all the amazing things that God is doing through Moses, you know, God is rescuing his people. So Jethro takes Zipporah and her sons, basically takes his family, and they go seek out Moses in the wilderness. And that's where we're going to start here with our first point, that wise leaders rejoice with others. So we're going to start in um, Exodus. We're going to read verses 7 and 9 in chapter 18. Right, so what Adeline brought up is it does say that when they when they left Egypt, when they were heading to go leave to go to the Red, you know, to what eventually was the escape through the Red Sea, they went out in martial order. So they went out in military formation. And we know God is a God of order, and so his instructions to Moses to tell the people was they grouped. And I would imagine it was by tribe, because there are the twelve tribes of Israel, and there's there's a very structured order in the families within the tribes. And so that was the and, and if you think about trying to get a million people to go somewhere. If you don't use, if you don't do it in a military fashion, where you say, 
you know, you guys have to wait and you're going to go first and you're going to follow them and we're going to go in this order that it would just be chaos. Um, and so that's a good point. And so there, there was leadership at some point, but, but what we're talking about here is when there were disputes about the word of God or someone did something and they want to know how do we handle this, well, let's go ask Moses because Moses is going to know. So everyone is relying on Moses. And sometimes, and maybe you've had jobs or somewhere where nobody wants to make the decision, and so somebody has to say, okay, I'm, you know, I, will, I will be responsible. I will make the decision. And so this is what Moses is basically doing is he's saying, I'm going to be responsible. I will, make the, I will tell you what's right and what's not right. So we're going to read Exodus chapter 18, verses 7 through 9. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. And so when we look at this and how Jethro responded to what Moses is telling him, right, because Moses is telling him all these different things, um, and, and what was Jethro's response? Right, blessed be the name of the Lord. He was overjoyed, right? He was rejoiced, and, and he told Moses that, right? He didn't ask a lot of questions. He didn't question if this was truth or not, right? Because Moses was there, and Moses led him through. But Jethro is, is rejoicing, and he's, he's excited about that. So even though Jethro wasn't there to experience that, he could see that through what Moses had told him. And, and if you look and you think about really all these problems, right, because Moses is telling Jethro about all the problems that were happening, right? What do you think, what do you think the, the root cause of all these problems was? Part of it, lack of communication, and I, I would say that's definitely it, and it's not just communication amongst each other, it's, it's communication the people to God. So Craig, Craig has that right. It's sin. We all have that sin problem, right? And a lot of the issues that are going on and where Moses has trouble is people aren't just doing what Moses wants them to do is they're grumbling, right? Because they keep telling him, did you bring us out here to kill us? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You know, why couldn't we go back where things were so great, where we know they weren't so great? But it, it's that sin issue. And so um, Moses didn't give in to that, right? So as he's going along and the people aren't happy, sometimes when someone gets mad and they they show that frustration to you our, our temptation is to what to be frustrated back right to say well that's not my fault you did that this is your problem Moses didn't do that Moses kept interceding with God for his people and kept asking God and kept trying to solve their problems and take care of the things um, that needed to be done so even though they're going through all these hardships Moses is doing the right thing in um you know, if we think about it with, with the people and their complaints, what does, what does, you know, when someone's complaining, what does that tell you about their heart? Or says they're not thankful. That's true. If you look in Romans 1 and you read down through there, when I read that, I see what started everybody down on the wrong path, path was they refused to give thanks to God. They were no longer thankful. So if we're not thanking God and we're not recognizing where things come from, we don't honor God by giving him that thanks, then we start to think, 
well, we're awesome, I'm awesome, look at all the stuff I did and look at all the things I've accomplished. And if we don't remember that really God is, is part of that, we forget that and we start to stray and we start to be, be able to just, we think we're doing everything and we no longer rely or honor God. And I think that's where the people came into the problems is they're not necessarily seeing, even though God time after time is giving them examples of how he is saving them and how he's doing these things, and they're there and they're experiencing it. They're just not getting it. They're not able to continue to connect the dots. And as people, because of our sin nature, we just have that problem. So we have to really work at that. And it's not something that you eventually get over. It's not, um, I don't know, like learning to shoot a basketball that eventually, with enough practice, you can sink a basket every time from a certain spot. We just are going to have that issue all the time in dealing with sin. So we'll, we'll continue reading here um, about this interaction between Jethro and Moses. So we're going to pick up again in Exodus 18. We're going to read 10 through 12. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so, you know, we see here again, it's a better description of what Jethro's response is, right? He's acknowledging, and I, we don't necessarily know what, you know, if, if Jethro... Um, was a polytheist if he went along with the modern you know with with what happened in their culture then where they worshiped lots of different gods it doesn't really tell us but we see here that Jethro's recognizing that the god of Moses is the most powerful god is the god above all gods and and he's making he, he chooses that understanding and he, he connects those dots right he, he understands that and his response when he sees that that god is the god he is the God, God Almighty, that he responds by wanting to offer him thanks to, um, you know, they, he offers burnt sacrifices and they gather together, you know, and they worship God and, and they have a meal together. And so it's interesting if you think about the way, you know, the people, the Israelites who actually experienced all these things and what their response was, which was a lot of unhappiness and complaining and not really, you maybe necessarily honoring God like they should, this person who wasn't there but heard about it recognized and understood what had happened, and his response was to rejoice, to be thankful, and to want to honor God and to give God the glory that he deserves. And, you know, something to think about with this is, is how we as people react when we hear different things. So, you know, when someone, especially, you know, someone who's a believer and, and they're talking to you about things that are going on instead of trying to analyze things or, you know, be envious because something really good has happened for them, um, we need to think about and have maybe the same response that Jethro did, which is to be grateful for them, to understand that God's doing this in their life and to support and encourage them. And so I think that's, that's an important thing that we do as the body of Christ is that we come together and we work um, together as one body. So how does God receive honor when we rejoice in all the things that he's doing with others? Right, and 
so Doris said it's because we put God on display and we honor him when, when we acknowledge and recognize that it wasn't that this person themselves did a great job, is that we understand and glorify God by saying we understand that God gave this person the gifts and experience and the resources to do this thing, and they did do it, right? Many things we do don't just happen. We have to take action. God puts us in a situation. He gives us experience. He gives us resources to do the things that he needs us to do. But really, you know, a lot of times when you come down to somebody doing something that is a good thing, it's what's their motivation, what's in their heart. So are they doing it um, to honor and glorify God? Are they doing it um, for a prideful reason so that they get the honor and the glory for that, so they get the recognition? And so it's, it's important that we keep that in mind when things are happening and God is doing things, that we understand where that comes from and, and, and really where, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's not that person doing it or that person doing that great thing. It's what someone has done with what God has given them, especially someone who's a believer. The second point we're going to look at is that um, wise leaders challenge others. And so one sign of a good leader is they want other people to be good leaders or the people that are following them, they want them to grow and they want them to be better. And so we're going to see... Um, in the next part here, we're going to read verses 13 through 18, is how Jethro challenges Moses. So this is Exodus 13 through 18. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between that the statutes of God and his laws. And so Jethro is seeing what's happening with Moses, where Moses is spending a tremendous amount of time trying to help solve disputes between people. And this is, I mean, Moses as a leader, this is part of his job, right? But how many of you have had jobs where there's so many things to do, you can't possibly get everything done, right? And so what do we do with that? Hopefully we find some people that can help us out with that. And so in this way, Jethro is talking to Moses about something that can be hard, right? Is it, is it easy to... to um, and I wouldn't necessarily say this was a confrontation, but it was more of a challenge or a point of saying, hey, you know, there's a better way to do this. Is that something that's, do you find that easy to do? I don't, Cheryl. And, and so Cheryl says that the, cor the corollary to that is that wise leaders accept counsel like Moses did. And that's true. And that's going to be kind of the next part that we get to. But you have to be willing to make that suggestion, right? You have to be willing to kind of step out there. So Moses could have reacted in a couple of different ways, right? So if we think about Moses, Moses talks directly with God, right? And so he's communicating with God. So Moses could have, could have taken the path of, well, I'm the one talking to God, and so I'm the one who has all the answers. And so, of course... Everyone has to come to me because I have all the answers, and it's my job to give out all the answers, right? But um, Moses 
didn't do that. You know, he was willing to listen to Jethro. But sometimes as Christians, we have to be able to bring up an uncomfortable subject to someone or maybe talk to them about something that maybe they don't want to hear. And there's, and there's a good way to do that. So if we look back, you know, through the text here, um, how is Jethro doing that? Did he, did he come to Moses and say, Moses, you're doing a lousy job. What, what are you doing? No, he, he didn't do that, right? He, he did. He applauded him. So he's, he's telling him that he's doing a good job. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a personal thing. Right. And so Beth, to summarize, you know, said that Jethro didn't just come in and look at it and through his own interpretation tell him what he needed to do. He's asking Jethro questions, right? And he's finding out, right? Because he says in here, you know, it's in verse 14, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? You know, what, what are you doing? Tell me what's going on. And that's a good way that we can, um, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can talk to each other about, instead of coming in and saying, well, why are you doing this this way? We can come to someone and say, you know, I've just noticed it looks like, you know, this is going on. So, you know, this ministry you're in charge of, I see these things happening. Tell me about it. What's happening? How are you trying to do that? And Moses told him, right? He said, you know, that he's the one who's interpreting the law, and so the people are coming to him. So Moses is saying, well, this is why I'm doing this. But I think it's this whole process of, someone coming alongside instead of coming and pointing a finger they're coming alongside they're finding out what's happening and they're saying so maybe there's a better way to do this Julie. right and so Judy's saying if, if, if you're going to do that you have to be able to accept that the person might not accept your suggestion which is okay and so part of this you know hopefully especially as believers and we're working with believers is that we pray about this and we think about it and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because the other person, you're, you're not going to be able to make them do something different in most cases. You can bring something up, you can offer them suggestions, but they very well may choose not to do it. And that's okay because if we, if we bring these things up, they, they at least we've tried to help them out in that way. And, and we have to remember, um, you know, part of this, and it was... Um, I, I actually, I liked in some of the, the commentaries and things that I read to go along with the lesson, there's a quote from Augustine. And so um, he was in, he, Augustine lived in the, during the Roman times, so 354 to 430 AD. He was a philosopher. He was originally not Christian, but converted to Christianity. He was a very important um, theologian early in the Christian church, in the Roman Catholic church. And so you have the quote here on the bottom, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It says, God spoke, to, God spoke to Moses, did he not? Yet Moses very prudently and humbly yielded to the advice of his father-in-law, foreigner though he was, with regard to governing and directing such a mighty nation. For he realized that from whatever intellect right counsel proceeded, it should be attributed not to him who conceived it, but to the one who is the truth, the immutable God. And so... You know, I think this is a really good example of um, God's planning and how God works all these things out, right? And so, who knows why it doesn't, and the text doesn't tell us, and it doesn't even really address it, but somewhere in there we know because Zipporah wasn't with Moses that he sent her to go be with Jethro, and then Jethro decides, I'm going to go see what's going on, right? And so it's all this timing where Jethro shows up, and then Jethro has 
this great advice, right? But is it really Jethro that's giving Moses the great advice? It's God, right? And so something I want you to consider and think about when, when you're going to talk to somebody about something you think they could do differently, or if you're the leader that someone is talking to you, that when this person is telling you that you could do things differently and they have some advice, you know, the, the words are coming out of that person's mouth, but God is sovereign and he is in control of all things. And God laid that concern on that person's heart and they've brought it to you. And so what they're bringing to you might make you really uncomfortable. It might make you, you know, you might think you're doing a great job and they're telling you maybe you could do it better or differently is to not be angry with that person because that, that quote from Augustine to me just really drove home the point. If you believe God is sovereign and he is in control of all things, and God doesn't just use believers, right? God uses unbelievers as well. Look how God used Pharaoh. And, and it tells us, if you go back into Exodus, God told Moses, I'm going to use Pharaoh to glorify myself, to show people that I am the one true God and I am the almighty God, right? Because Pharaoh didn't, he wasn't a believer in God, not even close. He fought God right up to the very end. Adeline? And so Adeline's point that she's bringing up is that a, a wise leader is a good listener. And that goes for all of us. So everyone, if you look at anybody who has a big leadership position, um, it's, most people can't, they, they can't do everything themselves. And they can't know everything. And so what do they do? They Hopefully they choose people to serve. So if you look at our church, right? Look at, look at the organization of Areola Bible Church. We don't have one guy who does everything, right? We have a senior pastor, we have a youth pastor, we have four elders who work with the senior pastor in guiding the church, and then we have deacons, right? So there's this structure and this hierarchy. And so one person doesn't control everything here at Areola Bible Church. We all pray, we all talk to each other, we all have different experiences in life you know, that God has given us. But he also, you have to remember, God has brought together this leadership team, and God has brought all of you here so that you could hear this message, you know, and, and apply it to your life and, and however God's wanting you to do that. But, you know, I just wanted to really emphasize the point that in all these things that go on, God's hand is in that. And so when things are not going the way you want, and maybe you're not understanding or you're starting to get mad, is to step back and try to say, okay, what does God want me to learn in this situation? What is he trying to teach me? What haven't I got yet, right? Because the children of Israel have gone through a series of not very fun times, right? And, and if you know, who knows, because we don't know, because this is how history unfolded and how God had it work out, but maybe if they had just rejoiced and never started grumbling after going you know, through the Red Sea, maybe they'd have gotten to go directly to the Promised Land, and when they got there, if they had a gone with the two instead of the ten and said, well, God's going to protect us. You know, who knows? But it didn't, and it played out the way it did because that's how God had ordained it. Keith. And that's, and 
That's, that's a great point. And so Keith's point is that, you know, something else to think about this, and this is what I like about Bible studies, and I've, I've done Bible studies on Exodus, and I've read it, and I've looked at all that, but I haven't really heard, heard anybody bring up that particular aspect of this. And so what Keith is saying is Moses is spending all his time doing his job, right? From morning till night, he's just solving problems for people. You know, when he was so busy doing things, he sent his wife off to be with the father-in-law. So he's removed himself from his family, right? And so he's taken himself from that responsibility. And maybe part of this is God is bringing his family back to him saying, hey, I know you're the big shot and the important guy and running the company or whatever, but you have a family and you need to make sure you take time to, to honor and, and, and be with your family. Destry. Right, and so Destry's bringing up the point that Moses was trying to be selfless you know, a good leader is selfless, and they put the people that are following them over their own needs. And it's and that's a good point, and it's a balance between what you're talking about and what Keith's talking about. Because we all have all these responsibilities, and we have to juggle those. And sometimes we do a good job, and sometimes we don't. But no, no one is, is perfect, right? We all have faults and issues, and we all sometimes make really good choices, and sometimes we make poor choices, and there are consequences to those things. Um, so that's, that's good discussion. I appreciate all of those, that help and that insight. And like I said, that's what's nice about doing these Bible studies. So that brings us um, to point three, which is what Moses does when Jethro gives him this advice. And that, and that is wise leaders share burdens with others. So this is Exodus 24 to 20, uh, chapter 18, verses 24 to 27. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went on his way to his own land. So it's... Um, you know, we can see here that Moses took that advice, right, and delegated some of that authority out and realized that Jethro was giving him wise counsel, right? But he didn't completely abdicate, right? He didn't just say, okay, you know, my office hours are from 10 to 11 and everybody else has got to, you know, take care of yourselves. Whoever wants to be in charge, be in charge. Moses chose men that he knew, you know, feared God, had shown, you know, probably had shown the ability to lead that would make good decisions that he could count on. And so he purposely did that because something that, you know, those of you who've been in charge of important things or, you know, been given lots of authority and responsibility, you realize that even though you're delegating, you know, responsibility and authority to someone to do that, that authority still falls on you it still goes up, right? There's that chain of command, and the military is famous for that. Um, and I, <clears throat> I had a hard time understanding when I was a, a young lieutenant and was flying. I was in Europe, and, and the two years that I was there, they had a series of aircraft accidents where things were happening that should not be happening. Guys were running into each other, you know, and, and crashing airplanes and doing things that really should not happen in a well-disciplined squadron, right? 
And so I fully expected that the people who ran into each other would get in trouble and would have to get, you know, see a, a board and do all these kinds of things. And, and that I understood because, right, they did it. They messed up. But every single time, either the operations officer or the squadron commander or both, and so we're talking three or four you know, levels up the organization, they got fired. And that was because, you know, if, if you're telling someone, you know, Moses here hopefully gave these guys some instruction, you know, and gave them some guidance on, you know, take care of these things. If you're not sure, come talk to me. But, you know, when, when you're responsible and you have that authority, when you, when you do these things and give the training, it's the leader at the top who sets the tone. It's the leader at the top who's saying you need to follow these rules. And so the reason that happens a lot of times where the upper leadership has to be responsible and they're punished for that is because if their organization is not taking following their rules and regulations seriously to the point where they're having serious accidents, something is wrong. The culture in that squadron, you know, that, that people aren't, they're not being trained right or they're not respecting the rules. You know, they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to because they're choosing to ignore it or they're just not being taught. Either way, that's the responsible of the overall leader of that organization. And so they would be, it took me a long time to figure that out. But as I, God's given me a lot more experience, you can see that. And you probably have all been to a business or worked at a company where everything works well. And, and you see that because the expectation is set by the boss and the leadership that this is how we do it and it will be done that way. And if it's not, you're called to task on that. And you probably also have maybe worked at a company or been to a business where you get lousy service, things don't work well, and it's because the boss isn't there and they don't care and they're not watching and they're not paying attention, right? And all of that comes from, you know, we even look at families. And we see some families that are very chaotic. And that might be because, you know, one of the parents isn't there or the parents aren't spending time with the kids for a variety of reasons. And so the kids get to kind of go do whatever they want and that just leads to chaos. You know? And so God is showing us through some of this that, you know, even though Moses is telling these you know, these other men, you have the authority to do these things, that still all rolls up to Moses, and, and he's the one who's still responsible for that. You know, as we're, as we're looking at that, and we think about um, really what we're talking about in a lot of this, you know, and it's, it's the, the essential doctrine that we're talking, that we're covering today is the body of Christ. And in the New Testament, um, Christ talks a lot about this, and it's, it's in, um, you know, in, in Colossians chapter 1, it talks about Christ as the head, but we use, and Christ used, and the apostles used, the human body as an example of this, right, where everybody has a part to play, and it's an important part. So Christ is our head, but if we don't have hands, we can't do much work, right? You can't pick things up, and even if you have a hand, if you don't have a thumb, I mean, you know, this opposable digit is amazing. It allows us to do a lot of things. If you don't have your thumb, you can't do much. You know, if, you, if you've ever known anybody who's lost some toes, especially your big toe, it makes it difficult to walk and run. And you don't think about that. I don't know if anybody here is missing toes. I have all mine. Um, but all these different parts of the human body are important so that we can move around and do the things that we need to. The body of Christ is exactly the same way. And we all have important responsibilities to do and God has given us all different experiences in life and different backgrounds and, you know, different physical abilities to do things and different mental abilities to do things so that we can all work together as a body and 
so we can all take care of what God's work is and we can support and encourage each other. And so something that I would like you to do, you know, as you think through the week and, and you think about what we talked today is what you as, as a member of the body of Christ can do, what your gifts are and, and what you can do, you know, as, as far as helping out. And with, you know, when, when Pastor Kent left, there are a lot of people who stepped up to do a lot of extra things that he normally would take care of. And it's because of all those people who've been willing to do these extra things that our church body is able to still function, right? We don't have a senior pastor, but we have a lot of people in our church who are willing to pick up and do extra and to take care of things so that we can continue to function and move along and we can worship God together and we can have teaching um, and people are being prayed for and cared for and the, and the youth that come to our church are getting the programs that they need. And so everything has been able to carry on because if we were not built like that and we didn't take that seriously, when the senior pastor left, everything kind of falls apart, right? If you don't have the brain, if you don't have the head, then things don't work well. And so that's one of those lessons, I think, and that's what the essential doctrine is for today is just to remember we all have these roles to play and we need to go ahead So Judy's talking about when someone has a need or something, it's, it's not that they just want attention or they want something, it's that there's a problem. And so if we come at it from a problem-solving solve, problem type attitude or thought, that we can do that. And again, you know, this is all part of God's plan. And it's not very fun to be the one who needs help, right? But if you think about this, you know, if, if everything were perfect for everyone and you needed no help would you ever have to um, would you ever have to sacrifice for someone would you ever have to give up you wouldn't what's what's part of of being a Christian and a believer is understanding that we're sinners and that we have this desperate need for Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and he did that for us and so because he was willing to do that for us we're willing to sacrifice well if we never have the opportunity to sacrifice for someone, to give up something for someone, to go out of our way to do something for someone, we never get to practice that selflessness that Destry was talking about. But if someone doesn't have the car wreck that puts them in the hospital so we can go, you know, bring meals to their family while, you know, the wife is in the hospital, you know, nobody wants a car wreck and nobody wants that to happen. But these things happen, right? And it's all interrelated. This is a Genesis 3 world because sin was introduced and sin gets introduced. And so bad things are going to happen. It's what do we do with that? You know, and we don't want to be the one that gets sifted, right? I'm sure Job didn't want to be sifted like wheat, but you know, he's a good example. When we go look through all the things that he went through and he never cursed God. He never, you know, he never gave up on God. And it's hard for us to understand some of that. But that's part of that being the body of Christ. And as things happen, you know, and as God gives us resources, you know, we can use those to share. And sometimes when we don't have the resources we need, you know, our brother or sister in Christ has them and they share those with us. And so, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a lesson on leadership, but it's really also a, an important lesson on the body of Christ and how we function and how we all need to do our part. And, and also when, you know, when someone's maybe coming up to us and saying, yeah, you maybe shouldn't be doing that, or have you thought about doing it this way? It might work better that way. We need to be open to that and to understand that 
it's not necessarily um, you know this individual telling us this it's God through the Holy Spirit working through that person giving us that message to say hey you know there's something different that you can do here All right, any questions before we close Guyan and, and Guyan says some of the greatest gifts are invisible like the praying people at church and that's true and, and it does and it's and prayer is super important 